0: Welcome to BlitzCast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt.
1: Welcome to another episode of BlitzCast, and we promised last week that if the Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans, we'll start with the Pittsburgh Steelers talk. I promised you that, Ed. So here we are. Mm -hmm. It it was a tough game. Uh, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, what you thought about it. You promised that you were going to be optimistic. You were going to talk up your your Pittsburgh Steelers and what they accomplished last week. Obviously, they've got a big game this week, but let's talk about last week's game.
0: I I think what we're seeing from the Pittsburgh Steelers is they're running on all cylinders and now that they've they've been able to do it against a good team, we can see that, you know, th- these guys aren't just beating up on, you know, kind of nobodies and so I mean obviously obviously there's that to, you know, be positive about. What I like about this team is I think they're very balanced at a lot of positions. I don't I don't think this team has a lot of weaknesses and I think that's really kind of the strength of this team it seems like on the defensive side of the ball is kind of their strength and they're able to you know create a lot of pressure and play with that kind of violence and um, you know just play that with that physicality that other teams just don't have and that that's really helping them on the defensive side of the ball and then I can't say enough about the emergence of Chase Claypool. Um, You know, to have to have really a one-two combo with Juju and Chase Claypool. It seems like every team has to shut down one of those two. And um, you know, last week they shut down Claypool, and you know that opened things up for Juju Smith Schuster. So this team is running on all cylinders. I love what I'm seeing from the Steelers. You and I
1: talked off the air, and the Steelers are the only unbeaten team in the NFL. They're six and zero heading into this weekend's game against the the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be a tough test, and according to Bovada Sportsbook, the Ravens are three-and-a-half-point favorites versus the Steelers. What do you think about this matchup? Obviously, the Ravens have, I believe they have a number one defense in the NFL, and you mentioned that the Steelers are balanced. They're running the ball, and Ben Roethlisberger, obviously having him back at quarterback, has played a huge part because last year they had you know Devlin Hodges and and um I just think the Steelers are peaking right now so what do you think about this matchup against the Ravens and and the Ravens are at home
0: Well I think it's going to be tough facing Lamar Jackson I mean and they haven't they haven't really figured out Lamar Jackson quite yet you know that that's a big question mark in this game and obviously Baltimore has the best defense I think some in some ways the Steelers have you know an equally good defense I think the Steelers defense is a little bit more able to get pressure and stuff like that whereas maybe you know the Baltimore Ravens are able to kind of keep the score down a little bit more so you know but I mean both te- both teams have that physical style I mean that's definitely that's definitely apparent I mean it's going to be a very physical game I mean there's going to you know both teams are going to be beat up after the game if you were an
1: opponent how would you attack the Pittsburgh Steelers what do you think are some of their
0: weaknesses on this year's team that's a good question. I, I think uh, I, I mean I, I'm not as high on the Steelers' offensive line um, as I have been in years past. I mean Villanueva is kind of getting up there in age. Pouncey is kind of getting up there in age. Um, DeCastro has been hurt. They've got a young guy in core four who I think is the left tackle of the future. You know this is definitely an offensive line in transition. So, you know I would I would most definitely try to get home with four. You know try to beat try to beat him on the line. You know, I think I think when you when you match up the the Ravens defensive line versus the Steelers offensive line, I mean the D, the Ravens defensive line, you know, can kind of can kind of get home with four. You know, the Steelers might have some some trouble with that. I think that's I think that's one way you do it. Um if I'm the Ravens, you know, from an offensive standpoint, um you know, I'm going to I'm going to use, you know, Lamar Jackson's speed. his advantage you know I'm gonna throw something different at them I'm not gonna just sit in the pocket and try to deliver it and you know try to beat the Steelers defense that way I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna really try to confuse them you know I'm gonna do some design runs you know I'm gonna do you know some read option which is coming into the NFL so I'm I'm really I'm really gonna try to mix it up and you know really just use everything that Lamar Jackson brings to the table well, that's,
1: that's a good way, but we all know that the, the Baltimore Ravens love to blitz. I mean, that seems to be their motto under Martindale, who's their defensive coordinator. He loves to bring pressure. He loves to bring it from different angles, and he isn't just going to use those three you know defensive linemen he's gonna bring linebackers he's gonna bring safeties and i think he can do that now because they feel more confident about their secondary in general they've got humphrey they've got marcus peters and those corners give him an ability to attack and and that's what they do well and i think it's you can expect the same thing against the steelers i mean the steelers are going to be blitzed from all angles that's what the steelers do well themselves So they're going to be pretty familiar with it. You mentioned, how are they going to match up with Lamar Jackson? Not many teams can stop him, and you've mentioned that they've struggled in the past. Some teams do a better job matching up against Lamar Jackson when they take away those running lanes and make him a passer. Can the Steelers do that? Can they force Lamar Jackson into just
0: being that pocket quarterback? I th- I think you know when you leave when you leave someone like Lamar Jackson in the pocket. I mean the Steelers are going to bring pressure with T.J. Watt. I mean they're going to they're bringing going to bring it from T- Dupree and they're going to bring it from all different places. You know they're going to do the slot blitz. They're going to do you know they're going to bring Vince Williams on the blitz. So they're going to they're going to blitz you from a lot of different angles. So
1: well the Ravens didn't sit still. They have a very good defense. I believe they're number one right now in the NFL. But they traded for Yannick Ngakwe, and he's been a well-traveled player. Ngakwe left the Jacksonville Jaguars, The Minnesota Vikings traded for him. They gave up a second-round pick, but the Vikings right now aren't a good team, and it seems like they're doing a fire sale. And They got rid of Ngakwe and traded him to the Ravens for a third-round pick in 2021 and a conditional fifth-round pick in 2022. The rich get richer, Ed. I mean, the Ravens got a very good pass rusher who has been in, in those battles before. I mean, this guy has been in the AFC Championship game uh, when they played against the Patriots, and Yannick Ngakwe is a very good pass rusher.
0: This kind of this trade kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of what you see in baseball when you see in baseball, it's kind of like the deadline, it's July 31st, and, you know, teams like the Yankees, and, I mean, the Red Sox were terrible this year, but, I mean, a team like the Red Sox are just a big market team that's in a pennant race, will, you know, give up a few prospects and go out and get, you know, a star player, and I think that, I think this is what, you know, in a contract year, I mean, just a team, you know, this is a team like the Ravens that, you know, might be able to pay a guy like him, it might give him some stability, or at least they they can afford to rent him and you know they're they're gonna go for they're gonna go for a Super Bowl. I mean, we haven't really seen this as much in football. We're starting to see it in the last in the last couple of years where teams are basically trading the future for the short term. I mean, you know it's 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 definitely a new trend in football.
1: Uh, it definitely has become a new trend, and then we'll see what happens. I'm sure we'll see a few more trades before the trade deadline. Uh, it seems like Carlos Dunlap. Just got traded from the Cincinnati Bengals a very talented pass rusher he goes to the Seattle Seahawks Seahawks were desperate to add somebody and I heard that they were interested in Gawk and now they get Carlos Dunlap who has always been on a bad Cincinnati Bengals team but this guy has always stood out so I'm sure we'll see a few more trades let's talk about injuries
0: OBJ uh, went down I, I don't know I, I i do have to say i do think obj is a little past his prime at this point in his career i mean not, not so much past his prime but I, I think he's kind of declined you know from from kind of like his you know his first and second and third year were great and i, I just don't think he's really playing to the level i don't think he's the 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 kind of top five receiver that he's been in the league you know early in his career yeah yeah it's a big loss for the Cleveland Browns I mean it's never good to lose your top receiver but I don't I don't think he's playing to the level of the limelight he's in according to Bavada the Browns
1: are uh, two and a half point favorites versus the Las Vegas Raiders and the Browns are at home. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, Baker Mayfield, again, coming off his best game of the season. No OBJ, no Chubb, but uh, the Browns' offensive line is playing better, and that, that defense, I mean, they do have a pass rush. Are you a believer in the Browns that they can improve and, and move on to 6-2, and two, or do you think the Las Vegas Raiders are going to bounce back?
0: I, I think the Raiders are actually a pretty good team. I mean, they were one of the teams that I picked to be kind of a wild card team I think I think they have they have some sort of like hidden talent on this team. I mean, there's not this isn't you know a Raiders team that has a lot of you know sort of uh, you know superstars on this team, but I think they have a lot of like you know a lot of players that are that are that are good, solid, do their job types of players. You know, kind of like it kind of reminds me of Belichick. It's like do your job. Um, I think I think that's the kind of team the Raiders have.
1: Kind of in the beginning of the show, we've continue to talk about the AFC North and we've mentioned I think all the teams so it's only natural that we move on to the player that used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC North a guy who has I would say ruined his career um, by by doing some really dumb things off the field and uh, many people just can't put up with those antics anymore but it seems like the Bucs are willing to take on that baggage. I can't understand why the Tampa Bay Bucs, a team that's clicking right now, they're 5-2, and two, Tom Brady and that offense are, are playing better the past couple of games. Why does Bruce Arians need Antonio Brown?
0: Yeah, I, I I don't like this move for the for the Bucks. I mean, this is, you're bringing a you know a, a good situation. I mean, they've got great receivers in Tampa Bay, and they, you're trying to you're trying to basically bring a wild card in, in in Antonio Brown. And sure, I mean, there's a chance that he could you know really blow up. But I mean, I, I just I just you know watching watching him in Pittsburgh and watching him in Oakland. I mean, just the things he he did for those teams. I mean, I know they're the Las Vegas Raiders now, but they were in Oakland at the time and it was it seemed like he was the front page of the news every day and uh you know it was something different and and it was just i mean it, it was it's almost like I, I i'm almost disappointed that he's back in the league because i'm just i'm just tired of talking about it he just always seems to have some sort of story whether it's you know throwing furniture off a third story balcony or getting a fight with Mike Mayock or so forth and just to be honest with you i mean maybe he has matured but i mean he's he's looking at you know some some serious legal cases, you know, at the same time. So I, I don't know why the Bucks would want a distraction like this. They've got Tom Brady. They've got Chris Godwin. They've got Mike Evans. You know, why why, why add a wild card like this?
1: Yeah, I don't understand it either. I mean, the Bucks have a good thing going. Their offense is clicking the past couple of games. The only reason that I think that Bruce Arians is bringing AB in is because, Godwin missed two games. Mike Evans hasn't been healthy the entire season. He's had a hamstring injury. But those rookies, they're coming on as well, like Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. I mean, they've been making plays when they've been on the field, and that's, that's what I don't understand. When you have too many personalities, and the Bucs do have a lot of personalities, it's kind of tricky to get them the ball. I mean, are all these guys going to buy in? You've got Leonard Fournette. You've got Tom Brady. You've got Mike Evans. You know, like, there's just too many characters here. And you bring in A.B. I mean, do you expect him to just sit on the bench? And when he doesn't get the ball, do you just expect him to to play coy and and say nice things just because he's chasing a Super Bowl ring? If A.B. is not being targeted, he's not going to be happy. And I just don't understand that. I mean, it's too many egos and too many personalities. And are the Bucks can they handle it?
0: The thing that I think about is like, you know, in hockey, for instance, like, Sometimes you can hide a guy on a different line, right? Like, you know, you get two superstars and you put them you put them on different lines and maybe you have them play together on the power play, but you know, for the most part you, you know, you you put you put your star on line 1 and then, you know, you try to get some players who play well with them. You put you put too many stars on on a on a certain part of the depth chart and it it just becomes it just becomes a waste. I mean, in a salary cap league, I mean, you, you, you know, there's scarcity of, you know, funds and so forth and talent. And, you know, I mean, just attention and just, I, I don't understand this move. I mean, I understand this move. Like if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Like, what do you have to lose? Right? Like you've been, you've been bad for so many years, like, you know why why not take a chance on him right or like if you're you know the jets right like i mean you're almost you're almost trying to tank for trevor right and it's like you bring ab and it's like you know ab could either really bring you down so that you definitely get trevor lawrence or they bring you to being you know a nine-win team or something like that that's 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 a team that i could see going for ab but you know for for a team like the bucks that's already got a lot to lose i, I just don't understand this move
1: I don't either. I mean, AB has become a diva and he's become a problem. He wants attention. If Tom Brady targets him once or twice a game, I mean, he's going to let everyone know about it. Not only Tom Brady, the coach, and everyone on the team. And what kind of an influence is he going to be for these younger receivers that I already talked about? I mean, the more established receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but what about these rookies? What about Scotty Miller, who is in his like second year? I'm not sure A.B. is going to be a good influence. If he was a team player, it's one thing. He's just a me guy. And Bruce Arians mentions that Antonio Brown has matured, but how do you know? I mean, A.B. wants to get back in the league. He wants to make a difference. He still believes he's a number one receiver for a team, and here he's going to have to be the number three guy. I don't think he is ready to accept that at this point. And it's just, I think, from a fit standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. You know, sometimes you try to add and make an all-star team. Like the Yankees used to do this in baseball. I mean, they would sign all the best players, but that doesn't mean that they'll mesh together. Or they do this in basketball as well. Not all all-star teams work out. And I think that's what the Bucks are doing right now. The Tampa Bay Bucks are trying to field an all-star team with too many egos, and I think eventually it could backfire when it matters the most, and that could happen like in the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. I would have passed on AB if I were the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I just, I'm puzzled by this move. Let's talk about another quarterback that got off to a good start. Yeah, I'm talking about Cam Newton. It looked like a good fit with the New England Patriots. You talked him up ed and i remember when we did a preview you you believed in this and said hey they're gonna make him a star and bill belichick is gonna make it work and cam newton is a very good fit for the new england patriots what has happened the past couple
0: of weeks i think cam newton is just having injury issues i think he's just limited by injuries and he's not the same player that he was in the past and i i I underestimated the injury issues that he's dealing with but I mean when this guy's fully healthy, I think he could help a team like the Patriots. I mean, one thing one thing that I've really learned from this year is is that, you know, when you talk about Brady and Belichick, I mean a lot of that success that Belichick has had was because of Brady and now that they don't have Brady it, it really changes things and we're seeing, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks really profit from this and I just that I think that's I think that's the big change. I don't know if maybe McDaniels and and uh, you know, Belichick are really maybe what I thought they were, you know, before coming into the season.
1: Like I said, it, it looked good uh, the first couple of weeks of the season, but ever since he got back, uh, he missed a couple of weeks. He hasn't been the same, and he threw three interceptions against the 49ers. I mean, the Niners, are just, they're not the same team they were last year with all those injuries, and, and the Patriots were struggling to stop the running game. I don't know. I mean, Kyle Shanahan had his third running back in there mostard is out tevin coleman is out it was jeff wilson who was just running wild against the new england patriots that's the one thing i guess i didn't expect to see i thought you know they they would know that they would probably kyle shanahan wants to run the football that he wasn't going to trust jimmy g and for some reason, the Patriots didn't believe it. They, they thought the 49ers were going to throw it all over the field. All they did was run the football, and it was just, it was embarrassing. So this goes a lot deeper than just Cam Newton. I was very surprised that the defensive effort wasn't there, and they just they couldn't stop the run, something that you just wouldn't expect from the Bill Belichick team. Like I said, the Patriots have been very disappointing, and they've got a big game in the AFC East this week. According to Bovada, uh, the Patriots are playing against the Bills, and the Bills are uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. You think the Patriots are going to bounce back? Do you think they have anything left? Do they have some tricks up their sleeve to, to beat Josh Allen and the Bills this week?
0: I give the edge to the Bills in this game. I, I would actually pick them even even lay the points because you've got the Bills who you know have a, have a third-year quarterback who's, who's really peaking and really impressing. And you have a Patriots team that just you know that that doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, you know there there's some question about Cam Newton, but I don't I don't think Jared Stidham is the is the answer either. So you've got you've got Stidham and you've got Newton, and you know people said like the the narrative was oh Stidham played much better, and that's what leaving them in question. I don't think Stidham played that much better than Newton. So I don't I don't really think this Patriots team has a quarterback, and you can't you can't win without a quarterback in this league.
1: So it sounds like uh, at this point we're resigned to think that the Patriots are going to miss the playoffs, and they haven't missed the playoffs in a long, long time. But they're going to miss it this year, right?
0: Yeah, this is going to be the first year that I mean, I've been saying I've been I've been against the end of Patriot reign narrative for a while, but I I think this might be the end of the Patriot reign. They definitely
1: need a quarterback out there. Cam Newton has not gotten it done. Let's talk about the Big Ten as a whole. It, that was their first weekend of play, and we saw a big upset. I don't think anybody saw it coming, but I guess you can expect that opening weekend. Uh, Indiana upset number eight, Penn State. And I'm sure you loved Indiana's aggressive nature there in the end. I mean, they, they went for the two-point conversion in overtime.
0: Yeah, I I I think that's just that's really how you have to play over time in this league. And I know Indiana, you know, thinking themselves as the underdog, you know, why don't we why don't we try to score a few points, you know, on on Penn State and just you know give ourselves a chance to win. But you know, they they, they were they kind of had that like playing from behind mentality, you know, take more risks. But to be honest with you, I I think good teams need to do that too. I think good teams need to. You know, I think I think when you you know why go to four overtimes? You know, if you if you if the first team scores a touchdown in overtime, you you go and get a touchdown. Don't just match touchdowns and keep going and keep going. Why not just go for two? You have the ball in your hands. All you have to do is get two yards. You should be practicing in week your two point conversion plays every week. Because I mean, they could be the difference between winning and losing a game. I think being able to win two point conversions, and so I, I give I give Indiana's coaching staff the credit. They learned to they learned how to upset a team like like Penn State, and now now it kind of puts a damper on this, you know, Ohio State Penn State showdown.
1: Well, uh, what surprised me was Penn State struggled running the ball in this game. They they really struggled controlling the line of scrimmage. Um, they weren't able to pick up those third and short, fourth and short distance, especially in the first half. I think missing Journey Brown, he's a talented running back. He might miss the entire season with the medical condition. And Sean Clifford is just the quarterback. He's not accurate enough. He just badly overthrew a, a couple of passes. He threw a couple of picks. I mean, Penn State was down 17-7 to at the half. And I can make a case that unless they beat Ohio State, Penn State is not going to get back in this race because, I mean, you're only playing nine games in the Big Ten, and if you turn the ball over the way they did, if they play sloppy the way they did,
0: Penn State is not going to get back
1: into the college football playoff.
0: I, I, I fully agree with that. I mean... I, I think I think Ohio State runs away with this game. I mean, even even if Penn State comes out and pulls out that game, I'm still going with Ohio State. I really like what I see from Justin Fields. I really think this Ohio State team is one of the four teams. I think I think pretty much the, the three teams that I think are in the college football playoff are Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. And I think I think we, you know we're going to have some fun the rest of the way debating who's going to be number four. You know, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a fun conversation, and I'm sure we're going to have it on this show.
1: Well, let's have it right now. I mean, who who you got as as the fourth team? I mean, who are you a, a believer in? Are you more of a believer in an SEC team like Florida or Georgia? I mean, are you a believer in Notre Dame? I mean, we talked about it last week. It didn't sound like you were too optimistic that, you know, Notre Dame could keep it close against Clemson. And so are you a believer in getting another team out of the SEC? <sighs>
0: Gosh, you know, I mean, my my impulse first is to say a team like Oklahoma State. I mean, I just I like the way they play. I think I think they're the you know the favorites in the big in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, they have great defense. They have a lot of stars. I think this is their year. Um, you know, I really like that guy Tylen Wallace, and uh, you know they've got Chuba Hubbard, and um, this this is just this is just a good Oklahoma State team. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be honest with you, in all fairness, I mean. If 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 there's another one-loss team in the SEC, it it should be it should be an SEC team, a, a team like a team like Georgia or a team like, um, Fl- well Florida Florida's had a lot of problems. Um, I, I I think the committee might even count it against them the COVID thing. So I I think I think if if I had to go with my best guess, I'm going to say Georgia number four, but maybe Oklahoma State is in there. And maybe there's a chance with Oregon not playing as many non-conference, tough non-conference games, I could see Oregon in the mix.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure a Pack 12 team is, is going to be in there. I'm not a believer in Georgia. I mean, I'm not a believer in Stetson Bennett. I don't see it. Georgia has a great defense, but their offense has a lot of question marks. And this isn't the same Georgia team. I've mentioned that in the past couple of weeks that they're just not running the ball well enough if they could do what they've done in the, in the past years with Sony Michel and and Chubb and DeAndre Swift but they're not doing it this year their offense is kind of relying on that passing game and I'm not sure they have the weapons and they don't have the quarterback when it comes to those important games especially the Florida game that that's going to come up so I'm not sure the committee is going to count anything against the Gators in terms of the COVID thing because they're going to make up that game, but they need to play better and they need to be Georgia in order to get back into this conversation. But if years pass are any indication, it will be an SEC team over a Pac 12 team or a Big 12 team. And I'm certainly not a believer in Oklahoma State. I mean, they might, they're a nice story and they have weapons and they're a good team. But I just, I'm not sure they even win the Big 12 this year. That's the point that I'm trying to come across. I mean, they're having a nice season so far, but I don't see how they run the table. I mean, they'll lose a game or two, and, and then they'll certainly be out of the college football playoff. And they do have the stars, like you mentioned, but I'm, just, I'm not a believer in Mike Gundy's uh, squad out there. Uh, let's come back to the Ohio State-Penn State matchup. Ohio State is a 13-point favorite away versus Penn State. Maybe losing to Indiana is going to help the Nittany Lions. What do you think about that? I mean, Justin Fields was accurate. He was great in that first game. And Ohio State always has those great wide receivers. Every year they seem to – it's like a wide receiver factory there. They've got like four or five guys this year that are just as talented as what they had like last year. Um, Does Penn State have any shot at all in this game?
0: No, I see I see Ohio State rolling over them. I mean, Ohio State has a good team this year, too. I mean, let's not forget that. I mean, you know, before this coronavirus, I mean, a lot of people were picking them to be the number one team in the country. Um, you know, Justin Fields, I mean, Justin Fields might be a better fit in the college game than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, better NFL prospect. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I just I, I think very highly of Justin Fields. And I think he's I think he would be getting a lot more press if it weren't for Trevor Lawrence.
1: All right, let's continue with the Big Ten theme. I didn't pick Michigan to go to the college football playoff. I didn't pick him to win the Big Ten. But in week one action, you know, Harbaugh's squad certainly looked good. Are you a believer in the Michigan Wolverines, or is this just fool's gold?
0: No, I I mean the, the, the Michigan Wolverines are really a hard team to engage. I mean, some weeks they really bring it and then other weeks they don't and we've seen this over the past couple of years with you know, we, we've we've gotten really optimistic about Michigan and then, you know, sometimes Michigan's been really highly ranked and then and then they blow it. So I, I, I really I really I think Harbaugh's coaching for his job but I, I just don't think I just don't think this Michigan team is going to be you know a real a real contender. I think I think ultimately Ohio State wins the Michigan Ohio State game.
1: I don't know. Michigan looked pretty darn good against the Minnesota Gophers, and uh, Minnesota is is a good team. They're going like four deep at running back. They've got Charbonnet, kind of the speedster. They've got Haskins, the physical back. They got Chris Evans back. I was impressed with their running game. They they certainly got it going. And I think Joe Milton, the quarterback, is, is going to get better. So I'm optimistic. I know that Michigan usually starts well, and then they kind of fade down the stretch. But I'm optimistic. Uh, they got to stop the run better. They were able to get after the quarterback. They were able to get after Tanner Morgan. But they weren't able to stop the run. I think they've got the pieces. And uh, I guess we'll find out more. After this week, you know, when Ohio State matches up against Penn State. But I'm sure that that Michigan-Ohio State matchup might be, you know, the marquee matchup that we've been waiting for for the past couple of years with Ryan Day going against Harbaugh. I just, I don't know, might be the year. Again, Ed, I didn't pick the Wolverines, so that means they got to do well this year.
0: Well, I mean, I, I do think they found a quarterback, which I I don't think they had in Shea Patterson over the last couple of years. Whereas I think I think Joe Milton is going to help this team. I mean, he he kind of reminds me a little bit of a. He, I mean, he's he's kind of like a poor man's Cam Newton in a way. I mean, just just that big size, the way he runs the ball, you know, the way he's competent in the pocket. So you know, and he's a good passer. So I mean, Joe Mil- Joe Milton improves this team and might keep might save Harbaugh his job. I want to mention also Rutgers,
1: uh, Rutgers as in the Big Ten. They got their first win in the Big Ten since 2017. Greg Schiano gets the win in, on opening weekend. And I just thought the, the Scarlet Knights, they were playing physical. They were playing with fire that I haven't seen in, in a long, long time. And it's good to see Greg Schiano get another coaching job and it's it's good to see him get that job at Rutgers because he had success there before he went to the Tampa Bay Bucks. He turned that program around. I mean, he was able to get good recruits. He had Ray Rice and and Rutgers was was at its peak when Greg Chiano was the head coach there first time around. And it's good to see him return to his to this place again and it's just uh, Rutgers look like a different team there. I'm not saying they're going to compete with Michigan or Ohio State or Minnesota, but I think Rutgers' future is bright. Uh, what about the, the past weekend in college football? What what impressed you and or maybe surprises or disappointments? And why are you so high on Oklahoma State? It's not like Oklahoma State is, is blowing people out right now. I realize that the Sooners have struggled. The Texas Longhorns have struggled, but what makes you think that the Cowboys will even win the Big 12? Right now, they're in the lead, but I'm just—I'm curious. I want to hear your thoughts. Maybe I'm seeing something different.
0: Well, I, th- I think—I think Oklahoma State has two things really going for them, and one is—is is that they've got weapons. You know, they've got Tylan Wallace, they've got Chuba Hubbard. They can run the ball and they can throw the ball. They've got an offense that can do a lot. I think the other thing is—is is that this defense is very underrated. I think that's I think that's one of the stories of this year, um, you know. The, there's usually only one or two teams that play good defense in the Big 12, and this year one of those two teams is the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Um, as far as far as you know, college football stories are just you know. I mean, you see with this Clemson team. I mean, they're they're playing so such good ball. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence really didn't have his best game last week, but the Clemson Tigers still put a hurting on on, on their opponent. And so, you know, that's, that's where I see Clemson and I see Clemson as really their favorite this year.
1: I'm curious, Ed, if the Clemson Tigers were to meet the New York jets next week, (laughs) who do you think is going to win? I mean, the the the, the jets Jets are are winless right now and and Clemson looks like, you know, it could compete with, with some of these bad teams in the NFL. I mean, are you going with the jets or are you going with Clemson?
0: I am always going to go with the NFL team. These I mean sometimes these you know as much as like in, in in a podcast like this we criticize these players. I mean these guys play at such a high level. I mean if you if you just make it you know if you just play one season in the NFL, I mean you're 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 in the 1 to 10% of athletes. You know you're in the 1%. I mean you're in the top 10% if you play college football and you're in the top 10% of college football players if you if you uh, if you're even playing in the NFL, and I mean on the Alabama Crimson Tide, you know, w- w- you know, could they beat the Cleveland Browns? And it's like, well, I mean, who who on who won the Crimson Tide could start for for the Cleveland Browns? And it, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, who on who on Clemson would really help uh, the Jets? I mean, the Jets would have Jets would have Trevor Lawrence, which I mean, yeah, maybe in five to ten years he might be a much better player, but I mean, he's he'd still be a rookie quarterback. Uh, for the Jets I mean who 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 else on this Clemson team Travis Etienne might be a starter but I mean how many how many other players on this Clemson team would be starters on the Jets
1: I don't know I just I'm more of a believer in that coaching staff that what Clemson is doing offensively and defensively I just think Venables the defensive coordinator would confuse the hell out of Adam Gase with his blitzes from different sides and sending different guys I think the scheme you know I think Clemson would force Darnold into a couple of interceptions and that offensive line for the Jets I mean it's (laughs) it's a bit improved but I just look I'm I'm saying this Trevor Lawrence (laughs) the the Jets are tanking for Trevor Lawrence right now I mean they might as well just tank in this game against Clemson I mean if they're to ever meet and I just like I said I'm the, the Jets have been bad have you watched the New York Jets this year I mean, they've been really bad. I think the Detroit Lions, probably, the last team that, that went 0-16, and they were just incredibly poor. And this year, hey, you want to tank for Trevor Lawrence if you're like Jacksonville Jaguars or, or Washington or or the New York Jets. and I think Adam Gase wants to be that sacrificial lamb that that goes 0-16, and the Jets fans will always remember how they – they had a bad season, but they were rescued by the quarterback from Clemson. I'm starting to wonder, I realize that the New York Jets team, I mean, they're professionals, they're bigger, they're faster, they're more athletic. But my god, I mean they've they've been bad against every NFL team that they face this year. And I look at the Clemson team and the athletes that they have there. I, I think they could they'll give it a good game. I'll tell you that. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he wouldn't be a lost puppy against Greg Williams defense I just think he's going to be able to make those throws and the things that he can do outside of the pocket and he can run for the first down and, and he's got a heck of an arm a heck of an arm it's up there with you know Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert yeah that, that would be a fun game does, I need to work on it I Clemson, need to set it does up. Does
0: Thompson have to go to class too and you know the Jets get all week to prepare I mean how does this work
1: yeah, we're still going to class. We're an NCAA team. I mean, this isn't a professional team. I mean, Clemson didn't just become a 33rd NFL team. So they're still going to go to class, and the New York Jets are going to prepare. Like I said, I'm giving Clemson a good shot at beating the New York Jets. I, I swear, I've seen the Jets this year a couple of games live, and I just, man, they're, they're bad. I, I don't understand. Like, all these coaches are getting fired around the NFL. I can't understand why the New York Jets are not getting rid of Adam Gase. I think the team has given up on him. I just think if you promote at least Greg Williams, he'll light a fire under some of these guys, and you'll actually find out which players you want to keep past this year. I just don't understand New York Jets thinking and and what they're doing right now. I just, I'm confused.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, if you made me take a few chemistry classes and then play the New York Jets, I think I'd still lose. But, I mean, I'm probably the worst athlete <laughs> possible. But, anyway, I mean, I, th- I think the Jets the Jets have a few wins in them every year. I mean, there's always this team that, you know, is, is really bad around this time of year. And we think, oh, they're going to go 0-16. And they never do. They never do. I mean, you know, the second half of the year, the Jets can pick it up. And, and by pick it up, I mean win like one or two games.
1: I think they've lost confidence in Adam GaSe, and uh, I think that the players are just not playing hard. And unless you're not competing on Sunday, that means you're not competing during practice during the week. You know, they've they've given up on their coach, and I think they're letting the franchise know about it. They're not playing with any fire. They're not playing with any energy. Even if they don't have the pieces and they don't have the players, I'm just I'm not seeing that they're busting their tails each and every week, Um, and that's that's a shame. And when the ownership sees something like that, they have to get rid of the head coach. I mean, they have to find out which guys are committed long-term. And I'm sure defensive coordinator Greg Williams, if he gets promoted to uh, head coach, he's going to light a fire under these guys. I mean, this guy knows how to motivate. Adam Gase has got to go, and I'm going to create, if it doesn't exist yet, I mean, I'm going to create the website, fire Adam Gase. <laughs> but I believe it already exists. i, I got to find out. I'm sure it, it, it exists already since, since last year because, hey, the, the New York Jets fans, they're, they're no dummies out there. That's got to be at it, least a Twitter The way hashtag. Adam Gase uh, – it's, no it's definitely it. I mean, an NFL trending
0: hashtag for sure.
1: If Adam Gase had it his way, I mean, he would trade Sam Darnold in the offseason and then say, hey – I'm getting Trevor Lawrence. I can do something with him, but I'm afraid that Adam Gase will ruin Trevor Lawrence. If you could do that with any player, I mean, Adam Gase is is the front runner to ruin any quarterback not named Peyton Manning.
0: Adam Adam Gase won't be a member of the Jets organization when they take when they get the chance to take Trevor Lawrence. I know that you can take that to the bank.
1: I hope so. I hope so. But right now they're they're still sticking with him. Thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. Take care.